Hi friends, just before we dive into today's episode, I want to ask a huge favor from you. Would you please consider being a supporter of the Why Catholic Podcast? There's four ways you can do this. First, you can become a patron and financially support this podcast. The basic level is $5 a month. To become a patron, go to whycatholic.substack.com slash subscribe. Secondly, you can support this podcast by purchasing something from the Why Catholic merch shop on Etsy. Just go to etsy.com slash shop slash whycatholic. Third, you can also support Why Catholic by sharing episodes with your community. And lastly, you can support Why Catholic by inviting me to come and speak at your next parish event. For more information about that, please send me an email at whycatholic@substack.com. Thank you, friends, for your help. I couldn't do this without you. Hi, this is Justin Hibbert, and you're listening to Why Catholic, my podcast about the what and why of Catholicism. I just want to offer a special welcome to those of you who are new to this podcast, especially those of you who found it after watching my interview on the show, The Journey Home. Welcome. Today, I thought I would do something a little different. My interview on the EWTN show, The Journey Home, which I just referenced, aired last night, and I thought I would just share some reflections about what it was like to go through that process. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, I've linked to the YouTube video in the show notes. First of all, a little bit about the show, The Journey Home. The Journey Home is produced by the Coming Home Network, which is an apostolate dedicated to supporting people who are on their journey into or back into the Catholic Church. I've referenced the podcast On the Journey with Matt, Ken, and Kenny a number of times on this podcast, and how helpful that was in understanding the Catholic faith from three former Protestants. That podcast, along with The Journey Home Show, is a production of the Coming Home Network. One of the things I wanted to talk about more in the interview but neglected to was the Coming Home Network itself. You know, I was so thrilled when I discovered the Coming Home Network online community because when I was thinking about Catholicism, I was like, am I crazy? Am I the only one out there doing this? It can feel incredibly daunting and lonely. Then I registered for the online community and I was like, oh, wow, there are so many people who have taken this journey or are on the same journey as me. What was really eye-opening was the whole section for current and former Protestant clergy who are on the journey to the Catholic Church. There are so many times when I read someone's question, or I had a question, and I read different responses and perspectives, and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Because as I mentioned in episode two called The Language of Catholicism, it really is a different framework and language of Christianity. There are obviously different beliefs, but a lot of it is linguistic, how we talk about those beliefs that really are the main difference rather than the actual beliefs themselves. If you are a Catholic convert or a Catholic revert or someone investigating Catholicism, I would highly recommend signing up to the Coming Home Network online community. If nothing else, you will meet people from all walks of life who have found a love for and a home in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I've linked to the online community in the show notes. The Coming Home Network also offers retreats once every six months or so, and I was just so blessed to go to one of these in Georgia last fall and meet just the most wonderful people who are Protestant converts to Catholicism. Let me talk a little bit about that day recording because I had no idea what to expect. The recording took place in Ohio, and on my flight there, I got an email from Father Corwin Lowe. Now, he was the other guest that they were interviewing on the same day as me. From what I understand, they do two days of back-to-back interviews with four different people, and so they do two on one day and two on the next. It used to be that the show was broadcast live, but that's not the case anymore. Anyways, Father Corwin was emailing me to ask me if I had any white wine. I thought that was a strange request, but then he explained that it was because he needed it to say daily mass the next morning, the morning of our recording. I told him that we could probably find some, and then I asked if I could join him for mass the next morning. 
After getting checked into the hotel, I met up with Matt Swaim, one of the co-hosts of the On the Journey podcast, and Father Corwin was there, who is a Dominican priest, and he was wearing his full white habit. Father Corwin said that he needed to find some white wine, and so we all ventured into the hotel bar to ask the bartender if we could have an ounce. She said she had to sell it to us by the glass, so I volunteered to drink the rest of her pizza. You know, take one for the team. Well, at 6.30 a.m. the next morning, I knocked on Father Corwin's door, and he was all ready to say Mass. Now, I have never been to a private Mass before, let alone one in a hotel room. Between getting wine at the hotel bar and saying Mass in a hotel room, I was definitely getting a whole different Catholic experience. Father Corwin asked if I was familiar with the Latin Mass, and I said, for the most part, and he said that the Dominican form is kind of like that. Father Corwin struck me as a techie guy. He had a foldable charger set out for his Apple devices, and he had one connected to the TV where he had Jan Van Eyck's work, Adoration of the Lamb, showing on the screen. That served as his makeshift altarpiece. Now, once I heard Father Corwin's story, now I understand why he's so techie. You know, I don't often get to make it to daily mass, but whenever I do, I just find it to be the most serene way to start my day. And I was so grateful for Father Corwin for allowing me to join him. After breakfast, we were off to the studio. To say that the studio is understated would be an understatement. It was way out in the middle of nowhere. Across the street was a sprawling cornfield, and from what I can tell, the Coming Home Network headquarters was once a house. I think that was my impression of the whole experience, is that it was unassuming. The studio that you see on television is a pretty simple TV set. Everyone there, from John Mark Rodi, the host of the show, to everyone in the studio were just so down-to-earth, Christ-like people. There was nothing pretentious about them. They didn't make me feel like, oh, you're just another one of the thousands of people who have been on this show. They showed genuine interest in allowing us to share our stories, and we're just so thankful that we were there. I drew the short straw, and so I was the first to give my interview. Man, was I nervous. For probably two months leading up to the recording, I had been working on my testimony. I knew I had a little less than an hour, so there's the challenge of making sure I fill all of that time as well as making sure I fill it with details that don't get too much into the weeds. I think sometimes when someone is asked to share their story, it sounds like they're processing it for the first time, and so there's all these little details and things that they want to share, and then their story loses its arc and coherence. I wanted to try to avoid that. Fortunately, I had the chance to share my story at one of our parish's summits, and I've told tidbits here and there on this podcast, so I knew the key points that I wanted to hit on. Now, here's a little secret about me. I'm not a confident extemporaneous speaker. I really have to think about what I'm going to say in my head before it comes out of my mouth. When I was a pastor, I would never write out my sermons, but instead I would rehearse them audibly over and over so that I knew what I was going to say and how I was going to say it. By the time I preached a sermon, I had given that sermon probably five to ten times to the walls of my bedroom. The same was true with my testimony for the journey home. I must have rehearsed it a dozen times. But even still, as I was in the moment, I just kind of spoke from the heart, and I ended up sharing things that I've really kept private my entire life. In public speaking, there's a saying that goes like this. There's the speech you plan to give, the speech you gave, and the speech you wish you gave. It had been some four and a half months between the time I recorded the interview and when it aired, and I didn't get a chance to see it until it aired on EWTN last night. So I had forgotten everything I talked about, and I was so nervous watching it, hoping I didn't say something completely stupid. In fact, watching it was kind of like this out-of-body experience where I'm listening to another version of me tell my story. As I watched it last night, you know, I couldn't help but be overwhelmed with utter gratitude. Gratitude for all those people and places in my story, the incredible opportunities I've been blessed to have, and even the traumatic experiences like the first church I pastored. 
All of those have shaped who I am and played a role in me finding my way home to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So if you're a friend or a family member who is Protestant, who maybe doesn't understand my decision or maybe doesn't appreciate my decision to become Catholic, please know that I am utterly thankful for our friendship and for the places that we've been together and the experiences that we've shared. What was really humbling about this whole experience is sitting in the studio in that well-worn chair where so many others have sat and given their testimony since the show started in 1997. When I think about guests like Scott Hahn or Tim Staples, I'm like, who am I that I should be on this program? And I get that my story is a little different since I was a Protestant pastor and an apologist, but boy, is it humbling to think I'm being interviewed on the same show as some of these Catholic giants. Going back to the day of the recording, once I finished, I had the pleasure of listening to Father Corwin Lowe's story. That actually airs on February 12th, 2024. And if you don't get the chance to watch it on television when it airs, I'm going to add the link to the video in the show notes. Father Corwin's story is crazy. Not to give it away, but he sort of accidentally becomes the IT director for the Vatican. I'll let you listen to his story, but it was so cool to hear how God orchestrated a series of events that led him into the Catholic Church. In fact, standing in the production room, there were parts of his story where we all let out a collective. No way. That's so cool. Once we had both finished recording, Father Corwin and I, along with the Coming Home Network staff, had lunch together and just a wonderful discussion before heading to the airport. I was so exhausted, I dozed off in the backseat of the car. Here's what I want to leave you with, though. All of us have a story. I think there's a lot of people that think, oh, my story really isn't interesting. I'm not special. I'm a cradle Catholic. You know, I used to think that as one who grew up in a Christian home, but all of us go through this arc, this journey in life where even the things we grew up with take on a new meaning where it becomes a part of our identity. I'm reminded of the story in Genesis where Jacob wrestles with God. Prior to that, he always referred to God as the God of his father, Isaac, and his grandfather, Abraham. But once he wrestles with God, he starts referring to him as his God. Jacob needed that profound personal encounter with the Lord, and we all do. And most of the time, it isn't just one thing. It's lots of little, what I like to call, breadcrumbs that lead us home. One of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16, which says, quote, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, end quote. There's really four parts to this verse. First, there's the part where we set up Christ as Lord. We really give him priority and control of our lives. Secondly, there's the part where that oozes out into our daily interactions. Peter calls this the hope we have. It's not merely an internal hope. It seeps out noticeably into our daily conversations and gets people wondering, hey, why are you so different? It reminds me of the song Shine by the Christian band, The Newsboys. The words are, quote, shine, make them wonder what you've got, make them wish that they were not on the outside looking on, end quote. The second part of this really relies on the first. Let Jesus invade your life and it will ooze out in positive and subtle ways without you even trying. Then third, it says, be prepared to give an answer. In my sales career, we had to constantly refine our 30-second pitch. I attended a ton of conferences and I can't tell you how many people would ask, what do you do? And I would have about 30 seconds to pique their interest and get them engaged in a longer dialogue. Let me suggest to you that St. Peter is asking you to rehearse your testimony in such a way that when someone asks, you're ready with an answer. The other night, I sat down and interviewed Father Joseph Ewan, a priest serving in Peru, and I can't wait to share this interview with you in a couple of months because the way he talks about the Catholic faith in Peru is filled with such passion. I was like, okay, I'm ready to get on a plane and join you, Father. 
And that's what Peter is asking of us, not to be stumbling through our testimony like it's the first time, but always being ready to share it with passion and conviction. Lastly, and this can't be understated, Peter tells us to do this with gentleness and respect. My wife has a sign hanging up in one of the rooms, a quote from a book she recently read. It says, quote, Dear reader, there are times when the most productive thing we can do is not to try harder, but to try softer. End quote. Boy, isn't that the truth? Isn't it often that the things said with meekness and humility are the most powerful? I think about this when I think about my memoir, Pilgrimage to Catholicism, which you can read at pilgrimagetocatholicism.substack.com. I had to write and rewrite part two called Deconstructing the American Evangelical Church. For the first few versions, it was filled with such anger, and it's hard for people to see hope in a person that's filled with bitterness. I'm so very thankful for the wisdom of the Coming Home Network to wait some time following one's conversion or reversion before asking them to come and share their story. In fact, I'm told that it's normally at least two years and that me being a Catholic for a year and a half was probably the soonest they would invite someone on the show. And I'm very thankful for that year and a half. When I think about my initial decision to become Catholic, I was pretty angry with the evangelical subculture. I remember a friend and I were emailing about my decision. I just had to stop because I could feel myself getting worked up. Fortunately, I don't feel that anger anymore. I'm actually thankful when someone who disagrees with me asks me to explain the Catholic position on something and is open to having a dialogue. I think it's a real opportunity to bathe historic Christian doctrine with charity and patience. Deconstruction seems to be a vogue term these days, and it seems like the challenge with people that share their deconstruction stories is that there's a lot of bitterness and anger and running away from despair rather than running towards hope. What Peter is saying here is, look, you don't have to be condescending to convey the truth, goodness, and beauty of your faith. In fact, being condescending would be detrimental to sharing the gospel. So here's something I like to do when someone asks me about my faith and the hope that I have. I like to start by asking them about their background. For example, I was giving a couple a ride to the airport the other day, and they asked me, so do you do Uber full-time? That's a pretty common question I get, and I mentioned, no, my full-time job is working for the Catholic Church here. And so that brought up a whole conversation about my past as a Baptist pastor and my conversion to Catholicism. They asked me, so what made you decide to convert? Now, as a follow-up to this question, I like to ask them about their faith background. That's when they told me that they were Christians from a non-denominational church. Now, that helps me to know how to talk about my conversion, what things I can say that they would relate to, and topics that I need to be sensitive about. I was giving a ride to another guy, and I think our conversation started similarly. And so when he asked me about my conversion story, I said, are you religious or do you have a religious background? And he said that he was Jewish. Perfect. So in that much shorter ride, I was able to convey my love for the Jewish roots of Christianity and how the Catholic liturgy really incorporates that sacramental idea of Jewish liturgy and the bending of time and space. As I mentioned in episode 77, I've really changed my approach in life. I was someone that liked to poke the bear on social media and tell you everything that was wrong with the world. And what God laid in my heart is that the Catholic faith is full of truth, goodness, and beauty, and it can stand on its own. I don't need to bash Protestantism or any other worldview in order to convey the truth, the goodness, and the beauty of Catholicism. One of the questions I try to ask everyone I interview is, why Catholic? The title of this podcast. And so I want to ask you, why are you Catholic? Or maybe you're not Catholic yet, so I'll ask it a different way. What's the reason for the hope that you have? If you watched The Journey Home, you heard my story. And if you have a second, I'd love to hear yours. 
Take some time to process your own journey and then tell it, keeping in mind 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. And if you'd like and you feel comfortable, I'd love to read or hear it. Write it down or record yourself and send it to ycatholic at substack.com. That's ycatholic at substack.com. I can't wait to learn more about you. Thank you for joining me for Why Catholic. Be sure to subscribe to Why Catholic wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also subscribe to my Substack site and get the next episode in your email inbox. As a subscriber, you get a special discount code to the Why Catholic Etsy store. If you've been blessed by this podcast and you're feeling generous, there's also a way to financially support it. And patrons get some extra perks. To become a free subscriber or a patron, just go to whycatholic.substack.com slash subscribe. Also join me on Instagram at whycatholicpodcast, all one word. Thanks again for listening. My name is Justin Hibbard, and this is Why Catholic. God bless you.